Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. A lot of these smartphones today have what's called location services, where your phone is essentially a GPS device. What happens a lot of times is that these apps that your kids are using are asking them to turn these on. So when they post a status to Facebook or they post an image to Instagram, it's actually sharing their physical location down to within about a 10-foot radius. Wow. If you're a parent and you just heard that statement, I can only imagine what's going through your mind because we think of GPS as something to help us get us where we're going, but at the same time, it also lets people know where you are. That has its advantages if you're a parent and you want to keep tabs on your kids, but it also has its disadvantages because the whole world knows what's going on. Welcome to the world of social media. And today here on the Homeward Broadcast, the gentleman you just heard from, pastor and author Adam McLean, will be talking with Dr. Jim Burns about helping your kids navigate life online. This is a conversation that is no longer optional. The majority of teenagers have smartphones. We as parents have to be proactive to know how this technology works. And during the course of the program, we'll be telling you about a couple of resources that you can take advantage of to do a better job of doing just that. Now with part one of today's program, here's Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today, we're going to talk about understanding social media. Well, helping your teenager navigate life online, even your younger child, uh, maybe even yourself. One of the major issues in our day as a parent is, what do I do about Facebook, Twitter, texting, sexting, all the rest of this? And today, we have Adam McLean with us. Adam McLean is a friend. He's also a partner of a really wonderful organization called Youth Cartel. It's a full-service consulting firm that specializes in helping churches, businesses, and ministries connect with teenagers, young adults, and youth workers. Uh, Adam and his wife, Kristen, live in San Diego, California. They have three children. And Adam has kind of spent his life in the world of youth ministry. And as you know, that's where I've spent my life. And just great to have Adam with us. Adam, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you today. Well, we're going to talk about I was telling you this before, you know, Homeward is the largest provider of parenting seminars. We could be talking on sex. We could be talking on culture. We could be talking on, you know, just a strategy for parenting. But usually the first question that comes up is, you know, should I let my kids be on Facebook, you know, Twitter, things like this? I want to tell you a story and I want you to react. I, uh, not too long ago, was speaking to about 800 kids, junior high and high school, and it was in Richmond, Virginia. And I said, how many of you believe that you can become addicted to Facebook or texting? Those are the two. Well, they all put their hands up. And I said, how many of you think you're addicted to Facebook or texting? I had no idea what I was going to get. All their hands went back up. I thought that was so interesting that they actually felt like they were addicted to, you know, what we would call social media. What do you think about that? Well, I think in some ways that's absolutely true. I mean, we're, we're, we live in this type of world where everything happens uh, in, in multiple worlds. We call it the third life. You've got your personal life. You've got in a lot of ways, your church life or your, your family life. And then this third thing that's all happening, we're all dealing with uh, connecting with people on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, all of those things. Uh, and so it's, it's a really a new thing. We didn't grow up with this, this third life that, that kind of exists, but uh, it's kind of a something to maintain for teenagers today. You know, it's great for a parent to think about that as the third life, because, you know, we didn't have that growing up. You know, when I was growing up, I, you know, we had a mall. That was part of our third life. We had other social things. But in reality, today, when a kid is saying, I was talking to my friend, it may not be that they were actually face-to-face like you and I are, 
they could have been texting or they could have been actually dealing with an Instagram or, you know, doing it on Facebook or whatever. So we've got uh, Facebook texting, sexting, we'll talk about Twitter, Instagram. I even include YouTube in this. And, and it's hard to keep up with all the social media. Is it a good thing, a bad thing, or is it in between? Like a lot of things in life, it doesn't really matter whether it's good or bad. It just, it's one of those things that is. And so it's something that has to be, uh, we have to learn as parents, how do we help our children navigate that so that they can live for Jesus wherever they're at? You know, it's funny that you'd say that because I, I when I was reading in uh, in your book, by the way, the book is called Parents' Guide to Understanding Social Media. Roger's going to talk about it in a minute. But the interesting side to it was, I mean, you said something that struck me. You know, parents in another generation not just the last generation, but we had to ask, you know, should we put our kids, allow our kids to be on social media? And, you know, there was something called MySpace. Remember what that Mm was? Yeah, I do. (laughs) I laugh because, you know, that's kind of gone now and that was the big thing. But, and that was only 2003 when that was created. So my heavens, you know, does life change? But, you know, my wife and I had to talk about, do we let MySpace come in? Is this this evil thing? But today we almost have to say, it is what it is. Social media is here to stay. Yeah, I like to look at it as in those days when I was working as a youth pastor, parents would come to me and talk about the wall of protection. Yeah. And instead, what I'd like to encourage parents to think about is how do we help our, our children grow up with a lens of seeing the world uh, with Christ's eyes? And so it's it's just engaging the world about them as opposed to trying to constantly protect them. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting form. It's funny because we're going to talk about parenting. Here we're talking today about understanding social media, but really there's a parenting aspect, and you brought it up in your book, and I really actually have appreciate it big time. In some ways, we can't put them in a hole, dig a hole, or create a bubble around them. We've got to help them learn to discern. And so part of dealing with social media is is actually teaching them how to learn to discern and actually do it as with both you and I being unashamedly Christian, kind of from a Christian worldview. Yeah, I always like to think about, uh, or ask parents to think about, what about your son or daughter as a freshman in college? If you've not prepared them to deal with this, and then it's they're dumped into a college setting. Right. Well, we all know where that leads. Well, you're right. And, and you know, we talk about college, but the fact of the matter is, is that today I have a good friend named Paul whose son is six and his son has an iPad. Interestingly enough, they could afford it. And his son was all frustrated because he was watching a Netflix movie that he didn't want to watch. And I'm thinking, I don't even know how to get on Netflix. I, we don't even have Netflix. And yet here was a kid who was frustrated because he, he was watching a, a movie that he didn't want to see, which wasn't a good movie. So parents have a, even at a younger age, parents have to help kids learn to discern this thing. Absolutely. I mean, I have three kids, 11, nine, and, and now a two-year-old. And uh, they're online. Uh, even the two-year-old is fiddling with the iPad. And uh, the older ones are constantly engaged in, you know, really social media games, things like Webkins and, and Club Penguin and, and different websites out there that are like that. They're actually very social and they're exchanging information with kids. It's a part of their life too now. Absolutely. Somebody once told me that uh, 58% of kids ages two to five can play a video game. And um, and yet those kids don't know how to swim. Those kids don't know how to ride a bike. You know, there's different things, but you know, the world obviously has changed. And I I want you to to help our listeners because some people hear the word social media. And I remember the first time I heard social media, I was trying to figure it out, get my arms around it. So just kind of for the basics, you know, the, I, I, that was that great theologian, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers, the coach, 
who said, when you've strayed away from the basics, you've gone a long ways toward defeat. So I want to make sure that we get the basics. What is social media? Help us understand some of the Facebook facts. And, 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 and not that Facebook is the only social media. And in fact, that's an interesting conversation within itself. But help us understand just what that is and, and maybe even add how that might be affecting some of our kids. Well, it starts off social, social media is really user-generated content. So the, the sites themselves, the places like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or so on and so forth, even Wikipedia, they're providing the platform where the users actually generate and interact with the content. So that, that's really the core genesis of what makes something a social media site is that there's that interactivity as opposed to the New York Times or USA Today. They create the content, their, their traditional media sources. Social media is straight from the, the right. users. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned New York Times because we'll have a generation that will go newspaper. That's that's one of those white things. I remember seeing that in an old movie because they really won't know that because they're much more engaged in interacting. We even have this on the Homeward website. You know, people want to interact with us. They don't want to just read an article anymore. It's fascinating how that's changed. Absolutely. I just had my dad in town for Thanksgiving and uh, every morning he would go off to the coffee shop and, and buy a newspaper and then come home and and tell me uh, what was happening in the news and I was like well well dad I I already read all that on on my iPad um, I, I already read the USA today or or the you know the local newspaper and uh, and he was just uh, unable to cope and deal with that reality <laughs> well it, i mean it's it's interesting because the world has changed i oftentimes say we were 11 12 16 18 but we were never their age because again they experienced so much and even you as a as a younger parent than your dad you know, you're looking at the world from a very different lens. Just think what it's going to be like with your kids. Let me, let me, uh, and we'll take a break in just a moment, but let me bring up a negative issue of it. Sexting. You know, one out of five kids today who are in junior high and high school have said that they have either been sexted or they have sexted. Tell us what sexting is and maybe some of the dangers of this. First of all, sexting is is using a mobile device or any type of computer device and, and really uh, just sharing an inappropriate image, whether it's nudity or, or something like that. Um, and, and I think as parents, it helps us to understand that in a lot of ways, uh, sexting, while the technology has changed, We've all exchanged inappropriate messages for a whole a whole long time. So when we hear that that statistic, um, it's a little bit scary. But then we have to put our own selves back into our own high school bodies and remember there was a lot of inappropriate stuff happening right. uh, sure. back then as well. But now it's because of it's easily shared and things like that. Right. It could be quite scary and devastating. Well, you know, there's a there was a young man who uh, who actually they were trying to to have us interview them for our, for our homeward broadcast. He was in eighth grade. He, kind of an innocent kid, one of his friends had a girlfriend. The girlfriend took a picture of herself nude, sent it to the friend. Well, you know, a week or so later, they broke up. So, you know, they're middle school, junior high kids. He sends it out to all of his buddies. This little kid, who really had never seen anything like this, and never had seen porn, went, oh, that's amazing. Of course, his brain is all stimulated and, you know, whatever. He sends it out. He gets arrested. He gets arrested because of the fact that he sent out a nude picture. So now... They're trying him as a sex offender. So so it can be pretty serious stuff. Absolutely. I think uh, I read a statistic uh, that was analyzing all the data on sexting and talked about about 1% or a little under 1% of the population of uh, under 18 have experienced something with the, the police have been investigated or so on and so forth because of sexting. So it is something that's out there and something that's definitely to be aware of as a parent. Right. I, and I think it, well freaks some of us parents out. It scares the bejeebies out of me that that's the case. And, and 
Uh, and one of the things that I want to come when we come back from this break, I want to ask you, you said it's all going mobile. And I know, want to know exactly what that means when it comes to social media. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Burns. Adam McLean with us. We're talking about his new book, a Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. By the way, he wrote that with a great guy, a partner in his work at the Youth Cartel, a Mark Ostriker, who was at one time the president of Youth Specialties and a wonderful guy, too. It's a privilege to have Adam with us today. Roger, tell us a little bit about Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. By the way, one of the best books I've read on the practicality of understanding what's going on and what we can do about it as parents. And it's so important, Jim, isn't it? Because the majority of kids we mentioned at the outset have smartphones. I mean, this technology is everywhere. This is, And we as parents get the smartphones for our kids. How do we understand this? Well, Adam's book is called uh, Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. For more information on that, just go to homeward.com and you'll find a link on our website today uh, for that. Also, uh, Homeward has a book out called Internet Protect Your Kids. Of course, we wrote this many, many years ago, but it's a nice compliment to Adam's book, too. If you want word information for Internet Protect Your Kids, go to Homeward.com. And now let's get right back to it, uh, the conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast, Helping Your Kids Navigate Life Online. Here's Jim. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Great conversation today. We're talking about a a book, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. Understanding your teenager navigate life online. Boy, that has a ring to it because so many parents are dealing with it. Adam McLean is with us today. He's a partner at Youth Cartel. It's a great organization that consults with businesses, churches, uh, ministries about how to reach out to, to kids and teenagers, also young adults interesting side to it is that Adam also has a background in, in youth ministry. He understands kids. He understands parents and uh, actually does a does a great seminar on this. Roger's going to give you a way to contact him at his website uh, as well. Adam, before the break, I mentioned the word and I put it in quotes and I underlined it, circled it. You put, it's all going mobile. Teenagers today, their phone is their social network. And I know when I heard that the greatest distributor of internet pornography was in 2011 became the cell phone that scared me but what you're saying more than that is you know the cell phone now is becoming life and that's that's it's all mobile absolutely i mean the average teenager will send something like 3400 text messages per month uh when i engage with parents and i say well why do you why does your your kid have a, a smartphone they go oh so i can keep in contact with them well the average uh 35 to 49 year old is sending about 700 text messages and so there's there's obviously something else going on between that sure. 700 to mom and dad and the 3400 that that she's going to send in that month so there's right. there's a whole lot going on and, there. and even good things i mean i understand you know it's for you know a cell phone is for protection all that kind of stuff but as parents my mother had to you know tell me I couldn't be on the phone at three in the morning because I would take our cord, I'd put it into, in, into my bedroom, and I would even fall asleep as I was talking to some girl or whatever, and she probably was falling asleep too. But, you know, she still had to monitor that. We had to monitor TV. But a lot of times with parents, they say, well, you know, the cell phone is for protection. But actually the cell phone, to a negative extent, can, can you can text too much. You can, you know, be on it too much. You can, you, we have to help our kids learn how to use a cell phone in a proper way. Yeah, talk to any teacher and they'll tell you that they're dealing with tired teenagers all the yes, time. Yes. And one thing that's happening, and that's probably happening in every 
household in America seems like is that uh, students are sleeping with their cell phones. And so it's right next to them and it buzzes at two o'clock in the morning and they're, they're worried about missing something or not responding right. to somebody fast enough. And so they're up sometimes all night texting. Uh, I've talked to students in our ministry that are texting in the shower. They'll put it in a Ziploc bag and they're responding uh, because they're just so afraid that they're going to they're gonna miss they're something. They're going to miss something. Well, you know, I, I did a thing just recently. I was talking to, to uh, adults about marriage. And I said, if we would treat our spouse like we treat our cell phone, I said, you know, I'm driving down the road and I kind of glance over at the cell phone as I stop at a stoplight and, you know, just see. And then I kind of go on and then I gaze at it again. And, you know, I pulled aside just so I can, you know, do this. You know, if I did that with my wife, Kathy would actually appreciate that I, you know, gave her a, a loving gaze or, you know, I was I was that attuned to her. And, and it's interesting because, you know, even adults kind of get that. But with kids, you're exactly right. You mentioned in your book, you talk about kids are just sleep deprived. And so the suggestion I would I would imagine is what Dr. David Peck, who, who works with us at Homeward, and he's a great guy, uh, he's a vice president at Azusa Pacific, but what he does is at 9.30, pretty early in the, in, in the evening for his kids, he's got teenagers on to younger kids, but they all dock their six cell phones that the family has, because it's his wife and him and then four kids, they dock it at 9.30. They can come if they have an emergency or if they need to do something, they can do it. But even David and Drina do that. And um, and then they can pick it back up, you know, in the morning. Do you think that's a good idea? I think that's a great idea. I mean, you think about uh, not just the, the teenagers that are texting at 2 o'clock in the morning, um, but also mom and dad. I mean, it's fantastic for the marriage if you're able to pay attention to one another instead right. of reading your, on your iPad right. Absolutely. Uh, at 10, 11 o'clock at night. You're the marriage expert. You, you would know that that would probably be better if you maybe spent some time together. Right. We, we as a family have been trying as hard as it is, even with our yeah. young kids, to make sure everybody checks all everything in right. on the kitchen counter. We right. charge it all night. And uh, there's some resistance, obviously. Uh, but again, the, the greater thing is there, we're going to get a good night's sleep. We're not going to be right. bothered. Um, right. And just like when we were kids and mom and dad would say, you're not allowed on the phone. Right. Your friends get over it. No, it's 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 a great idea. I think it's so practical and and, and so important. Talk about the dangers of mobile devices because I know there's some dangers out there, but a lot of times we don't think about them as parents. I tell you what, one of the the one that's popping up right now that is I think very relevant for parents to know is that a lot of these smartphones today have what's called uh, location services, where your phone is essentially a GPS device, and maybe you use it to like to, like to come to the studio today. I used it to navigate my way from my house to the studio, uh, but what happens a lot of times is that. That, uh, these apps that your kids are using are asking them to turn these on so when they post a status to Facebook or they post an image to Instagram it's actually sharing their physical location down to within about a 10-foot radius and so you can imagine that danger be there of if a, your child is posting pictures of themselves uh, and they say uh, innocently enough to their friends hey who wants to come over mom and dad are gone well, they don't know who is actually seeing that picture on Instagram or on Facebook or so on and so forth, but they've not just advertised that they're home alone, they've actually given somebody the, the physical address. Right, and so what you're saying, even for parents, is they say, hey, this is we're on this wonderful vacation in Cabo San Lucas or someplace outside of the country, and here are these pictures, but people now know that you're in another country and that your house is empty and so if somebody was even burglarizing absolutely yeah so we have to be we have to be careful with that. that's fascinating yeah think about it even with teenagers who you know on christmas morning will will tell their friends hey i got a new camera i got a new yes. whatever uh they're just telling anybody who has any interest in robbing your home exactly where you're at and what you have and what to look for boy it's a complicated world we live in adam i'm glad we have people <laughs> like you you used a phrase when you were talking about there's kind of a psychological impact for social media, both 
you know, probably some good ones and some bad ones. But you were talking about negative possibilities, and you used a phrase, Facebook depression. I'd never heard of the phrase before. Yeah, there's some uh, research going on now that uh, links, particularly in females, the length of time that they spend on Facebook with depression. And if you think about the self-censoring that happens as you as adult, because we understand that we want to put our best foot forward, and even our friends, kind of, you know, teenage friends will, will do that. Uh, as you sit there and watch these Facebook statuses go by, you start you start to think that, uh, or your brain tricks you into thinking that everybody's life is awesome, and mine's just really lonely. I'm just sitting in front of this computer or my cell phone, and my life is really boring. And uh, and so there's that correlation between that that length of time you're alone, alone reading all those positive things from your friends and uh, your boring life. In reality, it's the opposite. We're all equally as boring. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're not that interesting in, in and of itself. And, uh, but your brain can do that to you. Yeah, you know, it's very, very fascinating. So it actually even can cause a depression. What are some of the other negative, what you called, and I love this, you said negative possibilities that, that come on with you know, being so involved with social media? I think the biggest thing that, as a parent, you can look out for is, is it's called cyberbullying. Oh, sure. This is the thing that scares everybody. Right. And we read about these because, uh, unfortunately, that's led to some students' uh, suicides and things like right. that. And we, we have a, somebody here in our area where a young girl, 15, uh, because of Facebook, was in a relationship and it was uh, sexual harassment. Really, she didn't know that. She thought it was her love of her life. And uh, he f came out from Texas, had the uh, relationship with her, a sexual relationship, and she was a good kid. You know, this is a leader in her youth group. Twice that happened, and then he broke up. When he broke up, she killed herself. Yeah, so I think that the other things you're looking out for with depressive behavior or with a change in uh, in uh, sleeping patterns or eating patterns or things like that is ask those questions, like uh, particularly what's going on. Uh, you know, if they report that maybe they're being harassed or bullied, take it very seriously. Uh, there's a lot that happens uh, with Facebook, particularly uh, that is outside of the parents' eyes. A lot of parents come to me and say that, well, I monitor my kids' profile, but what they probably don't understand is they might have two or three profiles and they're trying on these uh, these different personalities, for lack of a better term, that their parents don't even see. And so there might be harassment going on below the surface. You know, 160,000 kids today stayed home from school because of bullying. And I think probably a majority of them are probably cyber bullied. And yet it's really tough for a parent because what, what do you do when your kid reports that, no, they are being bullied by, by someone? Well, I think... Um... First of all, yeah, just like anything else, you'd want to make sure you, you're gathering the actual information. Sometimes students can feel bullied when they're not really being bullied or, or maybe they're being sensitive. But if you do see that evidence, uh, in, I, I would be a big proponent of ask for their login credentials and, and get that evidence printed out. And you can report it either to the local school or to the police. It, it, is, a, it is a very serious thing. And everyone has the best interest of the, the kids out there. So um, it will be prosecuted or will be t treated seriously by the schools. We had this experience with one of our daughters when she was in eighth grade. We decided to take it seriously. We called the, the school. The school took it very seriously. It's not like they hadn't had this before. And then they actually pulled in a, a, a policeman from our area who was a specialist in this, and they did have the conversation. They went and talked to the young boy. I honestly think he was just kind of being a goofy middle school kid, acting like an idiot. But he had you know, said he would kill her or these different things. Sure. So we decided, take it serious. Now, our daughter didn't want us to do that because, again, she's in eighth grade. She doesn't want to sound like she's a nerd or whatever. But we decided as, as parents to actually go ahead and do it. And, and I think today she appreciates it. She appreciated that we were protective. We didn't go overboard. We didn't go to the kid and say, oh, but, you know, we're the parents or whatever. We, we went to the right authorities. And I would suggest that, you know, we do do that. 
don't have much time left, but I want you to talk about some of the positive impacts that social media can have. Sure. And the most obvious one in our family is we're all spread out all over the country. And it's a great way for your teenagers to interact with uh, their grandmothers and their aunts and uncles. I mean, one of the, particularly on Facebook, the, the largest demographic that's happening in growth is, passing. is you know, 35 and up women. Yeah. Um, and so I love seeing uh, what my niece is up to uh, on another side of the country or uh, keeping up with my cousin. So there's that. That's definitely a positive impact. It's you know, increased communication with yeah. family members you might never see or yeah. only see rarely. That's a, that's a great thing to think about. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're, you're exactly right. Adam, you've got to come back. We've got more to talk about. Great. Okay. Adam McLean with us. Great conversation today. And, you know, something that is so important to every, every parent and so close to our heart. And actually, as Adam was talking about, you know, grandparents are getting online more and more. That's the largest demographic. And how great as a grandparent, if you're listening, you are able to talk to your grandkids in a way that maybe the parents can't even do. So become their Facebook friends, have a conversation with them. Uh, We'll talk more about this next time. Absolutely. And uh, I might point this out too. Grandparents, text messaging. Kids love it when they get a text message from, I mean, it sounds kind of old school for the kids, but hey, my grandpa sent me a text. It's really a great way to go. Uh, Thanks so much to Adam McLean for being with us today here on the program. Helping your kids navigate life online has been our theme. Adam is the co-author of a new book called A Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. You can learn more about that at Homeward.com. By the way, Homeward is on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Dr. Jim Burns tweets on a regular basis. APU, Azusa Pacific University, also on social media too. If you haven't downloaded the Azusa Pacific iPhone app yet, uh, make sure you do it. You can get that today on iTunes along with the podcast of the daily edition of our program. So much social media. If you want to take advantage of this, go to homeward.com. That's H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com or call us at 800-397-9725. Now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.